Governor Kevin Stitt calling for a special session today. His goal here is to cut personal income tax for every Oklahoman. But today we learned the state Senate will take no action on Monday. Senate pro tem Greg Treat giving us this statement today saying, quote, the appropriate time for discussion on budget and taxes is during regular session that starts a week after the governor's special session call. On Monday, a special session called by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt will begin. Stitt hopes to see a quarter cent income tax pass, though that appears unlikely. House leadership has indicated they'll pass the cut, calling it another step toward leading Oklahoma to zero income tax. But the Senate says Stitt hasn't shown them a detailed plan and they won't vote in favor, instead opting to potentially take up the tax cut during the regular session, which starts in February. On this episode of Listen Frontier, we talk to House Speaker Charles McCall and Senate Pro Tem Greg Treat to get their takes on the upcoming special session. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Listen Frontier. Uh, today, I have Charles McCall on the podcast. We're going to speak about um, the upcoming special session, what might be accomplished, what uh, barriers uh, I guess there might be to, you know, accomplishing what the governor wants to accomplish. Um, you know, how's it going? How are you doing? You hanging in there? I'm great, Dylan. You bet. Ready to go for another another uh, regular constitutional session in a, in a week long. Hopefully, it will just be a week long special session. Yeah prior to the convening of that the constitutional session so um yeah that's what you know i want to talk about the special session obviously it's been you know we've been down this road before um it wasn't you know successful what's different this time or is anything different this time that that might you know we might get to the end of the special session and you know the governor's goal is accomplished what is there anything that's different this time than last time well, as you know, the House of Representatives has acted on numerous tax cuts um, uh, for the citizens of the state of Oklahoma in, in various different forms and fashions. I mean, last year in the special session that the governor called and, and, the, and the year before, um, you know, we, we sent the full buffet to the Senate. I mean, there was not there was not an agreement. Um, the call itself was not very was not narrow it was kind of open-ended to to let the legislature kind of you know determine you know what type of tax cut they wanted to deliver to the governor um, what's different this time is that the the call from the governor is much more focused um it's it's a quarter percent it's a quarter percent tax cut um to the personal income tax, which is is currently four point seven five percent at the, at its at the highest tier. Sure. So um, th that's different. Um, the the Senate did, you know, the Senate has not taken a vote on any of these over the last three years. Um, they've just they've just not taken them up. Um, so the House will pass these again. Uh, the House will pass this quarter cut that the governor's asked for. Um, we don't have a problem voting on it. I believe it passes. And it, it, the question is the Senate. So maybe what has changed in the Senate? I'm not a member of the Senate. I can't tell you what the you know what you know what's going on in, within their chamber, within their caucus meetings. Uh, their their culture is the culture is quite a bit different than the House, House of Representatives, and uh, different you know smaller smaller chamber, um, election cycles on four years rather than two. Um, so they they tend to, you know, that tends to, um, you know, affect the, the way things are processed uh, between the two chambers. So we'll see. But maybe maybe the good news is, you know, they 
uh, a year ago, they said they were a year, year and a half ago. They said they, you know, going to put together a, a, a task force internally to, to study the issue and, and, uh, and they, you know, to find what they want to be supportive of. So maybe that, you know, process has played out and they, they know now. And, um, but I still think it's a very fluid situation. Um, I think, you know, in terms of, I think the governor of the state, want, you know, wants a vote. Uh, we don't mind taking the vote on it. And I, I think if there was communication from the Senate to something that they would agree to, which um, there's not been a lot of discussion there. It's We've listened to the governor and we just said, listen, if you make the call, the House will be there. Uh, we'll take it up and we'll we'll put it we'll put it to a vote. Uh, the House will be done in three days. Uh, it takes five days to it takes five days minimum to pass a piece of legislation constitutionally <clears throat> and have it on the governor's desk. Uh, the House will accomplish that um, in the min- in the minimum number of days that it needs to do it, which is um, three days for the House of Origin. We'll have to first read Monday constitutionally the bill, what it is. Uh, we have to come in the second day and constitutionally have a second reading of it. Still can't take any action on it. Um, it will be the third day on Wednesday that we can actually uh, do some Q&A. Um, we'll have gone through the amendment processes if there's going to be any of those. And then, um, you know, you'll have your debate and your vote. And then, and then it would be up to the Senate at that point in time. Now, the Senate could, the Senate could, uh, they could move their own version of this, too. Um, there's nothing that precludes them from introducing uh, legislation of their own. Um, but we've made it very clear, Dylan, in the House. I've made it I've made it clear to the governor. I've made it clear to the Senate. You know, listen, um, most important thing is we coming in, let's get something accomplished. You know, what is that? I, I just want you both to know you can you can communicate with me and, you know, we're willing to work with with uh, uh everybody for a solution but but right now it's just the governor that has in the house that have you know said that they would advance the solution so sure. so you know one thing that i think is i guess particularly interesting about this is that you know oklahoma typically doesn't have that much problem getting you know the governor's initiatives passed because it is you know a republican-led senate republican-led house but on this issue there has been this disagreement, kind of a longstanding disagreement. You, we've already had um, the pro tem Greg Tree, I think, called the special session. You know, calling said that calling the special session is a waste of time. I think is how he put it. Is you know, and they've not you know supported this in the past. Is the gap that big between the House and the Senate? I mean, is there a, is there a potential that that you could see both sides come together on some type of agreement. I mean, you know, five days is, it seems short, but a lot can be done in five days. It is, it, sure. is there a potential yeah, I, you, know, I, you guys I, can I, come I, together? Yeah, you. I mean, it's a fair statement to say special sessions are best when there's an agreed upon solution by everybody. Um, however, I don't think this, I don't, I don't believe that this is a wasted, uh, a wasted special session at all. Um, in fact, I think the people of the state of Oklahoma are really, they really want some some uh, a tax cut and they want inflation relief. Um, it polls 85% uh, positive, and uh, especially among Republican primary voters. 
Um, it, the income tax uh, cut pulls higher. It has stronger intensity than, than eliminating the grocery tax um, in, and other options. And, and so I think, yeah, I think we're going to have to take this up. I think the sooner, the better. I think it's, I think it's overdue. I, this is, this should have been taken care of at, at least a year ago. And um, I don't think it's going to continue to be, I, I think it's going to continue to be an issue until, until the Senate uh, takes some action on it. I personally think special makes so much more sense, Dylan, um, for us going into the constitutional session that starts in February to get this issue taken care of before. Otherwise, this issue is a is potentially a log jamming issue uh, for the entire session, just like education was last year. Um, if you recall, the I mean, there was three and a half months of of the, the House sending the Senate education uh, bills that they either refused to take a vote on or they would you know, amend and send back to the house. And I mean, we got it done. We got it, we got it passed, but there's a lot of other important topics and legislation that we were unable to take, take up because that issue, it just, it, it took all the oxygen, uh, all the energy, all the focus of the session. So I think it's, I think it's smart on, on, uh, to call a special session to try to, to just try to isolate that issue take care, you know, address it, and then get ready for this constitutional session to be very productive on the budget, very productive on, on policy that's out there. And this is an election cycle. That's what, that's another thing that's different about this year um, and this special session. You can rest assured the House of Representatives are going to, we look forward to taking this vote. Um, for the people of the state of Oklahoma. We know it's important to them, and we know it's, we don't need to turn to polling, just look at polling to determine that. House members um, hear it from their constituents every day. Sure, and, they're, and it's they're, they're in con You know, the House is in contact with people every day. They're up for re-election every two years. They never stop talking to their constituents. Sure. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's polling you know, so high among Oklahomans, obviously the House members are hearing that because they're, you know, in a situation where they're having to campaign this year as well. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the the log jam effect, because that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up. I, you know, I've heard from from people who have asked why, why the special session, why is it necessary? Why not just take care of this in the in the regular, like you said, the constitutional session? And that, that's, you know, I wanted to kind of talk to you about that a little bit, because like you said last year, there were a lot of things that maybe could have gotten passed that didn't because there was so much attention and so much back and forth on, you know, at different education bills last year. So that's the reason for the special session is to hopefully get this taken care of so that other things can be the focus of the, the of the regular session. Right. It is. And listen, the governor's call for this special, Dylan, it's no surprise to any of the legislature. Uh, it's no, it's no surprise at all. We we knew from the outcome of the previous special last year after the regular that the governor calls into, you know, nothing was completed there. We we knew he was going to call another one. Um, so um, I, I am a little, we're all perplexed that that the Senate hasn't coalesced around something at this point. But this is the governor's call. This isn't the the speaker's call. This isn't you know a legislative special call session. This is the governor. 
He has the authority. He has the prerogative. Um, what he puts in his call cannot be modified by the legislature. So it, it's just a it's a you basically either decide you're going to show up, take the vote or, or you're not. And the, the House is going to once again show up and vote and uh, do, you know, do his constitutional duty and its duty to the people of the state of Oklahoma. So I, yeah, I think there's an opportunity here to uh, really maximize the regular session that starts in February by passing something that addresses this tax uh, issue in, in the special. I think it sets the tone for, for the four-month constitutional session that we're about to convene. And so one thing also that I wanted to ask is I know just from different, um, you know, different stories and different conversations we've had with lawmakers, there are some lawmakers who have, you know, pointed out that they, we won't have the board of uh, equalization numbers until mid, or they won't have it analyzed until mid-February. And um, you have, you know, I think Senator, I think it was Senator Rock, Roger Thompson that mentioned something about, you know, the governor focusing on the savings account and him talking about those numbers maybe being a little misleading because he, you know, Thompson said that the recurring revenue is much less than the, the numbers, you know, that the governor talks about in the savings account. And given that there are lawmakers still analyzing, I guess, these, uh, the Board of Equalization numbers, are, are you confident that there is enough, you know, um, not just support, obviously there's support for it among voters, but there is enough money to make, you know, a tax cut like this feasible, or maybe not even just this tax cut, but the, the governor has said he wants us on a path to 0% income tax. Is that realistic? I mean, obviously this would be a first step, but is that something that's realistic? Is that something that we can afford? Dylan, let me be very clear. We can afford to do a quarter percent cut for the people of the state of Oklahoma. Absolutely. That's $100 million in the first year. It's $250 million on an annualized basis. But keep in mind, these those are those are numbers that are given to you in a in a you know a static snapshot and time look. The economy of Oklahoma is a dynamic economy. I mean, we, we cut rates by a quarter two and a half years ago. And since that time, revenues have done nothing but increase. You're not really, you're, you're viewing this issue statically if you're saying, oh, we make this quarter, quarter cut, we lose $250 million that could go, could go to services or some other investment in the state of Oklahoma. That's, that's not right. Um, it's the, the economy is dynamic. What you're doing by cutting the personal income tax is you're leaving, you're, you're leaving money in people's pockets. In fact, they or the people of the state of Oklahoma are going to get a pay raise. They're going to see a pay raise every two weeks. Every time they get a paycheck, there's going to be less taken out of it. They're going to spend that money and they have, they have, because they are battling inflation and we should be sensitive to that. Uh, you'll hear people say, oh, well, you know, that's it's it's maybe $150, $200, you know, is all you, a person will would save. And and uh, so why? So, why, you know, those who want to spend just focus on the spending side will argue those things. But it's two hundred and fifty million dollars. That's the that's the amount of money that you will be injecting back into the economy by cutting taxes. And that $250 million, it's going to bounce around. 
and it's going to throw off more revenue to the state of Oklahoma. And so you've got to look at, uh, you know, I see this in terms of it's an easy decision to make. If you want to bolster the, the economy here in Oklahoma, do the tax cut. It's an, you're injecting $250 million into the, the economy and the people get to decide how they do it because it's their money. And then you furthermore position the state of Oklahoma to be more competitive with states in the region. I mean, when you look at this issue nationally, I mean, you've, you have blue states that are cutting personal income tax. I mean, they get it. Jobs are leaving their state because they don't have a competitive tax structure. And Oklahoma has got to continue to find a path forward on making these, these cuts on personal income tax. We ultimately have got to figure out a way to get to zero. We're not going to do that in special session. We're not going to do that in, in, uh, in regular session. Um, you can't go to zero in one year, but the other states that have been successful in doing this, they have, they have phased it out over time. And you can look at the state of Tennessee. That's what they've done. And um, they are at zero now. They, they are able to accomplish it over time. And they're, they're seeing in, incredible, uh, incredible investment in their state economic explosion in the state of Tennessee. And I think that's a fair, I think that's a good state that you could really compare Oklahoma to. Uh, Texas, Florida, the coastal states, Dillon, that, that's not really a, a fair comparison. Uh, and their populations are so much larger than Oklahoma. But long-term, we, we do have to find a way to get more competitive. Uh, workers, people, individuals, they wanna be in states where states don't tax their productivity. And I think long, I think Oklahoma's got to get there. Ours isn't super high, but other states are moving and they're getting, getting close to us or they're surpassing us. And we have, we don't just need to do this for the people of our state now. Um, it needs to be now, it's long overdue, but this is also about long-term keeping this economy and people wanting to, to, to live here in this state. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of the things that I wanted to ask. You know, we've seen Oklahoma over the last few years try very hard to recruit um, new industry, new businesses to the state to try to diversify the economy, to try to create jobs and um, some successes and some failures. And I wondered if, you know, we've talked about this, a quarter percent cut being something that might be a first step towards larger cuts to the to the income tax. Is could that be something that could help lure uh, a big business here? I mean, you know, uh, a business who has to ultimately convince its employees to want to move to Oklahoma, a zero percent income tax state, I think would 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 maybe be more attractive to people who, you know, if they're thinking my job's moving to Oklahoma, there's no income tax there. Is that you know, could that be something that's that's sort of um, part of the thinking here? Yes, I, I think that's ultimately the biggest driver for our state. We now Oklahoma's economy is expected to outperform every other everyone else's economy in the region. I mean, we're picked right now. Um, an independent third party picked us to have the fifth the fifth best in the country this year. Uh, the closest state to us in the region was Texas at thirteenth. Um, Colorado was middle of the pack, twenty fifth, twenty sixth. 
Um, Oklahoma is in, is in a great spot, and we have a, a lot of momentum um, over the last few years. And you, you've got to continue to can't lose it. You've got to continue to to build on it. I think ultimately where Oklahoma wins is the winner uh, in the region and in the in top three in the country, top five in the country is when we can find a way to get to zero on the personal income tax and do it in a way to where ad valorem taxes remain low. That's the key difference. Uh, the biggest complaint about the state of Texas is the is the offset between the personal income tax and the pressure that's put placed on the ad valorem base. Um, we have uh, we have business. We have a, a branch uh, bank in in North Texas. Um, our family does, and I, we pay. We see those ad valorem tax bills every year. They're they're incredibly, incredibly high, but there is a way to do it. Other states have figured out how to get to zero while keeping their their ad valorem uh, base low. That's what Oklahoma needs to to focus on. If you can get to zero on the personal income tax and you can keep those ad valorem taxes uh, fair and low, there's no stopping Oklahoma in the region or in the nation. Okay, well, I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Is there anything else you want to tell uh, our listeners or the voters? Anything else on your mind? Dylan, I just appreciate the opportunity to sit down and talk with you about about this issue. It's you know the the tax cut is just part of the of the overall inflation conversation that everybody's dealing with. I mean, inflation is what families are talking about at the kitchen table uh, every night that they get together. Uh, that's their biggest struggle. Um, within the household, and and that's that's why it's so important for us to uh, to to get some meaningful legislation accomplished this session on. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Sounds great, Dylan. Thank you. Happy New Year. Yeah. You too. Hello, everyone. Uh, today I have uh, Senate Pro Tem Greg Treat with me. We're going to be talking about the special session. Uh, just uh, so everyone knows, this is we're recording this on Thursday podcast is going to post on Friday. And then on Monday is the special session. The governor's called. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. The special session and the proposed tax cut, not a new thing. It's happened before um, and has not passed before. You've already stated that the Senate's not going to pass the tax cut. You, there was a press release yesterday that went out. Explain why. You know, we we spoke already with the House Speaker, you know, who's in favor of the tax cut, said the House will pass it immediately. Um, tell us the, the reservations that the Senate has and, and, and why that is. Yeah, uh, we'll entertain tax policy, ta including tax cuts, during regular session if, if we're convinced of it. So we're not just uh, contrarians on the idea of tax cuts uh, writ large. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. But what, what I was trying to convey was having a so-called special session, a complete misnomer, um, a week prior to regular session is just a waste of state resources, taxpayer money, and it's just political theater. Uh, we all know, and what our, our biggest hesitation is the governor hasn't enunciated a plan. We asked him to come uh, back during the last special session to share how we can advance in a, a prudent way as a state. If we did the, the tax uh, policy he wished, he 
chose not to show up. We invited him to our caucus meeting to do the same a month later. He, he was unavailable. And then he did this again last uh, tw the summer of 2022, called us into special session uh, with no plan. But I want to remind you and your listeners that in 2021, we passed a quarter point personal income tax cut. We passed a 2% cut on corporate uh, taxes, which includes the in lieu of tax that banks pay. So we've done a real tax reform. Even this last session, we cut the franchise tax and we uh, eliminated the marriage penalty. So the caucus is not opposed to tax policy changes, even uh, including cuts. Uh, we just think it's imprudent to come in uh, next week, a week before a regular session. Uh, it costs each day in the Senate around $20,000 to run the Senate in a special session and, and double that for the House uh, for something that we don't have an agreement on and we're already coming in. Furthermore, and probably more pertinent, is that the governor bases his budget, which is really just a press statement on where he wants the budget to go. We don't, that budget really has no, it's required, but it's not, it has no binding on state government based on December certification numbers. So the Board of Equalization meets and they certify numbers in December. That's the estimate. And then in February, uh, they'll come back and give us the true certification that the legislature has to set the real budget on. So just this last year, December to February, those revenues dropped $611 million from the December certification to the February certification. The governor keeps claiming we know the numbers, the time is now, but we don't know the numbers and we're not sure if the time is now. And so you, you, I was, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to bring that up. The, the, during the regular session, you'll get the, the final Board of Equalization numbers. And then at that point, could if the numbers are, they paint a rosy picture, could this this specific plan be something that the Senate uh, passes at that point? I mean, or would could the Senate, you know, propose their own plan? I mean, what what what's likely to happen during the regular session if it doesn't? Yeah, there's a potential. I, I've long been an advocate of a grocery sales tax elimination, the state portion. I'm going to continue to advocate that. You'll see if you haven't already seen, I filed a bill to that end. Mm -hmm. And the average Oklahoma family is is benefited to a much greater extent with a grocery sales tax elimination, that state portion, than they are the personal income tax cut. Personal income tax for an average family is about $111 a year uh, savings, whereas a grocery uh, sales tax elimination for the average family is around $358 a year. So in orders of magnitude, uh, the grocery tax actually has a bigger impact on on middle in income Oklahomans uh, to a much greater extent than a quarter point would be. I'm not ruling out that we would ever negotiate to a, some kind of uh, tax relief. I've, I've been in the past and still would find desire and find it desirable to try to get to zero at some point on personal income tax. But you've got to do that in a responsible manner that makes sense. We've made some critical investments in law enforcement, in education, in private school choice, and other things recently that could really be squandered uh, if we do it without a thoughtful approach. The special session prior to this one, the governor had the Strobel case in its, cro in its crosshairs about if Alicia Strobel uh, prevailed in her case against the state on having to pay income taxes, 
that no one in Oklahoma should pay income tax. And well, that sounds really good. It's really good bumper sticker um, uh, policy making that, hey, if, if one person doesn't pay it, no one pays it. I hope the state prevails in that case, but it was a really dangerous move uh, to ask us to pass a bill that would have eliminated uh, a huge portion of our budget with no plan. And it's kind of ironic because I, I, going down a little bit of a tangent or a rabbit trail, but our whole tax credit structure set up for school choices, it's incumbent to have income tax to be able to effectuate that school choice we had. So I just didn't think it was well thought out. I thought it was more of a knee jerk and stick it uh, to the tribes rather than a real thought out policy path for the state of Oklahoma. Now, um, the governor has mentioned that a, a cut like this, it is just a quarter, like you said, it's a quarter percent. It's, I think you said for the average family, like $110 or something that, over the course of a year. But he has also said, you know, over the years that he wants Oklahoma to be on a path to 0% income tax. So I guess you could argue this would be, if that's the goal, this would be sort of the first step in making that and getting that process started. But is that a process? I mean, is, is that a process Oklahoma could afford? How long could something like that take to even to get to, you know, to zero percent income tax? Well, we've been on a path to zero since Frank Keating's days in in uh, governorship because uh, we were around seven and a half, if memory serves me right. At that point, since I've been here, uh, we've gotten down to four point seven five. And I think I started I think when I started, I think we were five and a half or five and a quarter. And so we have been on that path. Sometimes we've made really good steps and it's been on solid footing uh, and we've seen uh, no impact or even a positive impact in years following. But it wasn't that long ago that there was a trigger mechanism put in uh, based actually on the same faulty logic that the governor's employing here. It was based on the December certification that automatically triggered a tax cut and there was a huge drop off. And so we had to go in as a legislature and remove that trigger. It was during when we were experiencing those, you know, $600 million shortfall, $800 million shortfall and $1.3 billion shortfall in successive years. And in the midst of that, we were going to have to give a tax cut based on the way the trigger was set up. I think that getting to zero is a desire that many in my caucus, including myself, share, but you have to do it in a way that doesn't jeopardize the key investments we've made and also just the economy of Oklahoma, you've got, I think what his proposal last special session, it's around 41% of our budget, if I remember right, he was proposing to eliminate with no plan. And, and that's off memory. So I may be off a percentage point or two. I just want to do it with a plan. Uh, I want to make sure that whatever we do uh, is sustainable long-term. This is my last session uh, because of term limits. And I live by a sim simple mantra. Uh, I want to leave the place better than I found it. And I want to make sure that whatever we do tax policy wise uh, is something that is sustainable and doesn't jeopardize the future of Oklahoma. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. You know, the governor has said that, you know, of course, we want to he wants to pass a tax cut. But he's also reiterated many times I'm, uh, that it wouldn't he wouldn't put Oklahoma in a position where uh, state services were at risk uh, because of a tax cut. But without final Board of Equalization numbers, you don't really know if that's what would happen, correct? Correct. I mean, that makes 
really good. It, it, it sounds really good, but it, the numbers, until we have the numbers, you can't say that uh, with a straight face. One of the things that um, the House Speaker brought up when I was talking to him was um, looking at Oklahoma's personal income tax in um, conjunction with the sort of the state's attempt in in well in you know in many years, but specifically in recent years, trying to lure businesses to Oklahoma. I mean, the state's taken some big swings and had some big misses, and um, one of those reasons people you know argue is that it's not just about the companies coming here, bring their business here. It's about bringing workers here. And you've got to convince people to want to move to Oklahoma. And what the house speaker said was maybe lowering the state's income tax. Uh, it provides sort of a, a benefit to, to people who might be willing to move to Oklahoma. If you, I mean, obviously a quarter percent is not going to make that much difference, but if you'd got it you know, down eventually to 3%, 2%, that maybe that might make a difference. Do you see it that way? I think tax policy has real impact on people's decisions, but you've got to look at the whole tax burden. And Oklahoma is very competitive on the whole tax burden. I think to attribute our workforce issues to our tax rate is a fallacy. Uh, when I've talked to these companies uh, that have looked at locating, some of which have made a decision to come here, and some of which have, have been more prominent that have not made a decision to come here. Personal income tax came up a total of zero times in any of those conversations. It didn't come up when it came to, should we relocate engineers from California to do X, Y, or Z? It didn't come up uh, when you're talking about building a workforce. Building a workforce, what comes up is, how, how big can you get a concentric circle around Tulsa? Uh, can you pull in Joplin and everything else to make your numbers look good? And, and in Oklahoma, the labor participation rate uh, is worse uh, even than it is in the United States. And so we've got to figure out why people are choosing not to be in the labor force and incentivize them to, in some way, shape or form, the personal income tax I've yet to see any study or heard any rhetoric from any person looking to locate their business here that said that the personal income tax was either a uh, inducement for them to end up making a decision to come here or uh, kept them from making the decision to come to Oklahoma. There is, um, I imagine some, I mean, I've seen polling too, that there is support from the public obviously for uh, uh, a tax cut and the, you know, the Senate and the House sort of in different positions right now because the House, I mean, there it's an election year for the Senate. It's not. Um, but if are you wary at all of the sort of the perception that, oh, the Senate is against tax cuts? I mean, is that something that could could blow back on Senate members when it does come time for election? Um, if if a tax cut's not passed this year or next year, I mean, what what could what could the effects of that be? Yeah. So first off, half of us are up this year. Uh, we're the. Speaker talks a lot about 101 members, you know, are up for election every time. We've got 48 members, 24 are up every every time. So the elections and, and being close to the people, that's not something that's foreign to us. Sure, if you ask people, do you want to pay less in taxes? You're going to get a very big number. But if you ask people an open-ended question and say, what is the most pressing issue on your mind? Their tax rate may come up. But that typically is they're talking about their federal tax rate uh, when you drill down and actually go into the cross tabs and, and look at polling. Look, I, before I got in the legislature, I ran campaigns and 
I know how to read a poll. Uh, I don't govern by polls. In fact, I haven't taken very many polls since I've been pro tem. I've taken some just to make sure we're not way off base and, and, uh, you know, helping messaging and all that. But to govern by polls is a, a huge mistake. Asking the question is get your answer most of the time. If you want to, if you want a poll that says that most people are wanting personal income taxes, say, do you believe you're taxed too much? Yeah. Everyone's going to say yes. 80% or so are going to say that. But if you ask a more insightful question of, Hey, What's the biggest concern you have on your mind today? Most of the time, that doesn't register as one of the top five issues that people uh, talk about. Now, the second part of your question, yeah, I, I am concerned that the rhetoric coming out of uh, others in this building will jeopardize some very good members uh, on our side uh, electorally because uh, they're painting this picture that the Senate's not for tax cuts. We We have been... And they're going a step further. They're saying we're for government largesse. The irony is the House and Senate uh, have had to do the budgets, you know, five times with this governor. I think he's signed two of them. And so every expenditure we've done has been in concert with the House of Representatives. So you can't point fingers on that. We've done a pretty good job of being very uh, restrained fiscally. But the Senate has just this last session for elimination of the franchise tax, eliminated the marriage penalty. The session before that, we did two tax relief bills that the governor vetoed, uh, and the House chose not to take up to override. Uh, and then the session before that, we cut income taxes by a quarter point, and we cut uh, corporate and the in lieu of taxes that impact banks uh, by two points. And so the, this narrative that, that some are trying to perpetrate that the Senate is not for uh, tax relief in any way, shape, or form just doesn't match up with the facts. Now, one of the questions I pose to both the governor and to the House Speaker are, you know, what, why the, there's a regular session starting in, you know, a week and a half from today. Why, why make this attempt during the, a special session? Why not just wait for the re regular session? And what they've told me is that one of the reasons would be that there are a lot of uh, issues that they want, you know, brought up a lot of bills they want heard during re regular session. And if there's a contentious back and forth over this uh, income tax cut, that it might gum the regular session up and prevent things from being heard that might have been heard otherwise. Is that, does that sound likely to you? <laughs> uh, no, it sounds like an excuse. The, the, here's, here's the issue. Last year during school choice, I offered to the governor and the speaker because they had a disagreement. They were wanting to treat kids in certain school districts as more equal than other kids. And the Senate stood up against that. And we said, no, we're not going to go for the Oklahoma Student Fund that's going to treat kids in Oklahoma City and Tulsa and Ponca City and McAllister and Enid and Altus and Lawton and Deer Creek and, and every other school district that was above the median as less so than kids in smaller districts. We stood up to that that. Oklahoma Student Fund, and we were willing to kill a priority of mine of school choice in order to make sure kids were not treated uh, unequal. And so toward the end of session, I offered up a quarter point tax cut uh, to bring them to our side of the school choice debate. That was soundly rejected in a meeting with me and the, the governor and speaker back in April or May. And then two weeks later, we were standing at a podium uh, signing a bill uh, that looked exactly like what I was offering them. And so um, I, I can't help if, if they didn't negotiate well last session and they have regrets on that. 
I think it's a complete waste of taxpayer monies without an agreement to bring us into special session less than a week or no, not less than a week before a regular session. And so, you know, I'm going to I appreciate you being here uh, first off and, and talking to us. I mean, I think people get a lot out of it. It is, like I said, today's Thursday. The podcast is going to post Friday and then on Monday, the special session starts. Is there anything you want to tell our listeners before before Monday? I mean, anything that um, you'd like them to know? Yeah, I want to make sure people realize this is different than what we did uh, back in October. I believe it was October uh, when the last special session was. We came in and we we motioned a sine die after the governor did not show up uh, to present his plan to the appropriations and budget. That's not our intent, at least as of today on next Monday, to go in and sine die or to end that session. We'll leave it open um, and we'll run it alongside regular session if if it needs to be. Uh, if we have real discussions on tax policy that we want to have, we're not. Uh, just shutting down that special session. We're just saying, hey, it's a waste of taxpayer dollars to set up here and twiddle our thumbs without a plan uh, that the governor or the speaker have enunciated uh, on why they think it's prudent to go ahead and cut before we know the real numbers. And so we're not cutting off the possibility of having um, something come out of that special session. We're just cutting the possibility of off of wasting taxpayer dollars uh, in the meantime. All right. Well, I, hey, I appreciate you being here. I know session, you know, the regular session will start soon, too, and that should be pretty interesting few months. I'm sure we'll catch up at some point. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much.